It uh, was in the month of June uh, that me and some others uh, hit the streets just to ask people to fill in the blank. And the fill in the blank was just simply, God is. And over the past nine weeks in particular, you've been able to see and hear a handful of just people's responses to that fill in the blank question. Now, I'm not sure how you would have responded if someone put a camera in your face and say, hey, fill in the blank, God is. Uh, But what we discovered in the 100 plus people that we had approached on the question of God is, is everyone had an idea, everyone had an opinion on who God is. Now, there were many people who just looked at us and said, hey, God's not real. God doesn't exist. And there was a lot of people who just had wrong ideas on who God is and what God is like. They would tell us things like, God is distant, God is indifferent, God doesn't care, God is utterly not loving. But in all of the people that we talked to, every single person that we talked to, there was not one person who didn't at least have an idea, have a thought, or have an opinion on who God is. That was true for every person that we talked to, and it's true for all of us here this morning. We all, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, if this is the very first time you've even been in church, we all have ideas on what God is like. We all have thoughts or opinions on who God is. And what we have been seeking to do this summer with God is, is just, is how we think about God, is it consistent with who God actually is? Are the thoughts or the ideas or the opinions that we have about God, are they consistent with how he's actually revealed himself to us through his word? When we began this series nine weeks ago, if you were here, the very first question that I asked you is this, what impact is God having on you? What impact is God having on you? Because one would think that if you have a relationship with God, that your life would be different. That if you're going to be in relationship or friendship with the God of the universe, the God who created everything, one would assume that there would be something different about you. Maybe another way to say it is, how is who he is shaping who you are? For example, if you were to say today, God is strong, that's my fill in the blank, God is strong. Well, then how is the strength of God shaping or influencing you today? If you were to say, God is powerful. Well, then how is God is powerful making a difference in how you live every single day? If you were to say God is in control, well, then how is the sovereignty? And sovereignty just means in control. How does the sovereignty of God, how is that shaping you in every moment of every day? If you were to say God is gracious and he is generous, well, then how is the grace and generosity of God shaping who you are? How is that influencing or impacting you? Because at the heart of not just this question, but really at the heart of this entire series, is that there would be no disconnect between who God is and who we are. That there would be no disconnect between who He is and who we are. Now, I don't know about you, but there for far too long in my life, I'm 46 now, there was a tremendous disconnect, a tremendous gap between who God is and who I was. When someone does something that is hurtful, critical, mean, rude, uncalled for in my life, 
I would love to tell you that my first response and my reaction is, well, I know that God is loving, and I know that God is caring, kind, compassionate, and very gracious. I know that to be true, and I would love to tell you that my first response when someone does something hurtful towards me or towards someone I know and love, that I'm like, man, I just want to give that person grace. My first response is, I want to give that person what they deserve. My first reaction is, I want them to know how much that they've hurt me or hurt the person that I cared about. There is a disconnect between who God is and who I am or how I respond. What God's been growing in me specifically this summer through this series is a discontentment with the disconnect. Meaning I don't want there to be a disconnect between who God is and who I am in every moment of every day, no matter what the day actually brings. So I'd just ask you this question as we conclude the series. Is there at all a growing discontentment with you about the disconnect between who God is and just who you are? And I mean who you are in the day-to-day stuff who you are in the car, who you are at home, who you are in the place of work, who you are in your neighborhood, who you are in your private moments. Is there a growing discontentment with any disconnect that may exist between who God is and who you are? Uh, One of the most uh, stressful movies that I've ever seen was in 2015. It was a movie called Everest. And in Everest, it tells a story, the tragic story of where 12 mountaineers were killed trying to climb Everest. And that tragedy took place in 1996. There were so many stressful moments in this movie, but probably the most stressful moment moment in the movie for me is when Josh Brolin's character, uh, if you don't know Josh Brolin, Thanos, that's Thanos. Josh Brolin's character is, uh, there is a, about a, a 15 to 20 meter gap between where he is and where he needs to get to. And there's these ladders, these metal aluminum ladders that are just strung together. And the task is he's got to walk across these ladders. Now, for the life of me, I think we're like some advanced people. I'm like, we don't have better technology to get people from point A to point B than walking across these very unsafe, unstable ladders. And as he's walking across the ladder, of course, he slips and he begins to fall and he's hanging on for dear life and someone has got to come out on this most unstable ladder ever and it just looks like the whole thing is going to fall and they fall 50 meters to their death. My question is this, would anyone here ever choose to live your life on that ladder? No, it would be ridiculous. Why would we ever choose to live on that ladder? Would we, anyone ever really want to live in that gap from where we were to where we're going? I don't think anyone here, because wouldn't your life just be marked by constant fear or anxiety or frustration or anger or just worry or like Josh Brolin's character, complete hopelessness? I don't want to live life in the gap. I don't want to live life on that ladder in between. That is not the life that God called me to live. And it's not the life that he's called any one of us here to actually live. He invites who he is to change every aspect of who we are and how we live every moment of every day. One of the questions that's been helpful to me over the years to ask myself is, Michael, if you don't want there to be a disconnect, if you don't want to live on the ladder and have that gap, 
The question that's been most helpful to me in closing that gap is this. Am I believing things about God that are not true? Is there anything in my life that I'm believing about God that is just not true or consistent with who he actually is? Because the consequence of believing things about God that are not true is there will be a tremendous disconnect between who he is and who we are. If you believed about me that I was just a big jerk, if you just believe, man, Michael, you're just really selfish and I, you know, when you meet with people, you just shame them and you're all guilty this and like, is there anyone here, if that's what you believe to be true of me, that you'd be like, I cannot wait to spend time with Michael Davis. I just cannot wait to get around him just to experience the selfishness and experience the shame and the guilt up, up close. I'm pretty confident if you believe that to be true of me, my schedule would be wide open. I would not be meeting with anyone. Why? Well, where we believe lies, there will be distance, and where there is distance, there will be disconnect. Where you and I believe lies, there will be a distance. And anytime there is a distance, there will be a disconnect. And so for nine weeks... This past summer, we have sought to present a biblical picture of this is who God is. And our one desire has simply been that who He is would shape who we are. No distance and no disconnect. And so this morning, just in the moments that I have, uh, I didn't want to present a, another attribute or another characteristics of this is who God is. I wanted to share one simple but powerful truth uh, that is in many ways reshaping how I see and understand, interact with not only God, but how that's closing the gap. If you have a Bible, you can open up with me to Isaiah chapter 45. And I just want to read a few verses out of Isaiah 45 and Isaiah 46. Verse 18 in Isaiah 45 says this, For the Lord is God, and He created the heavens and the earth, and He put everything in place. He made the world to, to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. And then in verse 21 and 22, for there is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God and there is no other. And then in chapter 46, Isaiah goes on to say, I will be uh, your God, or in verse, uh, verse 4, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, I will care for you, I will carry you along and save you. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and their gold and they hire a craftsman to make a God from it and then they bow down and they worship it. And they carried around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it just stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Obviously, there's a lot of things that could be said about those few verses in Isaiah, but the one truth that God has been teaching me throughout this series is this. God is God. God is God. 
And I know that sounds incredibly simple, but for me, I wanted to share with you a few reasons why this truth of God is God is closing the gap, no longer living on that ladder. Number one would be this, because God is God, I don't need to be. Because God is God, I don't need to be. Because God is God, I don't have to try to control everything or everyone. Because God is God, I don't have to be strong and try to muscle my way through whatever the circumstance or story or situation is. Because God is God, I don't have to pretend to have it all together so I appear a certain way in front of certain people. Because God is God, I don't need to exact justice or revenge on others, give them what I think they might deserve. Because God is God, that means I can just rest. I can just relax. I can enter into and just enjoy friendship, relationship with God who is God. I loved how Isaiah said in verse 18, for the Lord is God and he created the heavens and the earth and he put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, there is no other. The chaos or the gap that I often experienced in my life was a direct result of me seeking to be God in my life rather than allowing God to be God in my life. Much of my journey in relationship with God over the past 20-ish years has just been learning how to submit and surrender, God, you're God. I'm going to stop fighting that. God, you are just God. I want you to be God in my life, not me to try to be a version of that. And so I would just ask you the question, do you see anywhere in your life where you might be looking to be God in your life? Now, let's be honest. Not one person woke up this morning and was like, I'm God. I'm God. And I want everyone to know that I'm God. So this is not something that we verbalize. It's not something that we would actually say out loud But I wonder, are there any places or people or situations or circumstances where you're ultimately just trying to control the outcome of that story, where you're trying to maybe even manipulate the details so it goes in a certain direction that you think it should go? Because if you are, you're trying to play God in that story. Is there a place where you're just trying to be strong, get through it, muscle through it, depend on yourself? Because you know God's not going to get it. you got to do it yourself. Or is there maybe a story or a situation where what I would just call pretend perfection? You want people to look at you in a certain way and be like, man, they have it all together. Their life is just like perfect. Look at their marriage. They just, they hold hands and they smile a lot. And look at their kids. They're always, you know, they look so perfect. And You love the idea of pretend perfection because people will look at you in a certain way and be like, man, that person has it all together. Or is there a situation where you're going to make sure that the person who's not currently getting what they deserve, they're going to get what they deserve at your hand. Again, I realize that we're not walking around saying, I'm God, but are there stories or situations where we're actually doing that? Because the reality is when we are doing that, the more I try to play God in my life, the wider that gap becomes, the wider the disconnect becomes. And something that I've needed to remind myself on a day-to-day basis is this simple, powerful thing that 
Isaiah says, there is no other. Michael, you're not God. You're not God in this story, in this situation, of this circumstance. Michael, there is no other. Therefore, Michael, rest, chill out, relax, allow God to be God in your story, in your life. So is there a place where you just need to tell yourself that same thing? There is no other. God is God of this situation. God is God of this story. God is God of this circumstance. God is God in this person's life. There is no other. Not only am I free from trying to play a role I could never actually play because God is God, but because God is God, I don't need to look to anyone or anything else to be God. Because he is God, I don't need to look to you or another situation or circumstance to be God for me. So I don't need to look to maybe a relationship, a job, a title, a degree, a possession to somehow give me meaning or purpose or significance or value or worth or security. Because God is God, that just simply means I can be fully satisfied and I can be fully content in all that I have in friendship with God. So again, I just, similar question, do you see in your life where you might be looking to other people or things just to be God in your life? If I could have this type of marriage, if I could even be married, if I could even have a boyfriend or girlfriend, I know I would get from that what God's currently not giving me. If I could have that job that would give me that paycheck, that would give me that title, that would give me that role, or if I could have that, that degree, I know that it would do something for me that currently I'm not finding in God. Is there someone or something that you're looking to in order to get something that maybe you think God's holding out on you from? Now, this will be just an embarrassing example for me, but 20 years ago, I thought uh, it would be the coolest thing, and this is just for me, I realize it's not for everyone here. I just thought it would be the coolest thing to one day be called pastor. I don't know where that idea, where that thought came from, but I just thought it would be the most awesome thing that one day where someone would look at me and say, oh, Pastor Michael, I had built this up in my head as once I achieve that, once I get there, once I get that title or that role and someone's actually calling me that, I will have somehow achieved a sense of value or worth or significance or security. And I remember the very first time someone said, oh, Pastor Michael, I just got the sickest feeling in my heart. I was like, gosh, it feels so gross. It just feels awful. And that's why no one calls me pastor. My name is Michael. That's how I introduce myself. Because I once looked to a title or a role or position thinking that that somehow, in some way, would give me meaning or significance or value. And it didn't. Why? Because God is God. Significance, value, worth, identity, security, it comes from Him, not from someone else or something else as silly as a title or a role. So just ask again the question, do you see in your life where you might be looking to something or someone else to give you what you can only find in friendship with God? One of the amazing promises that is highlighted in Isaiah, in the verses that we read, 
not to be forgotten is this. God will always be God. There will never be a time where God will cease to be God in your life. Thus, we never even have to fear there being a moment in time where God just stops being God, and then we're going to have to turn to someone or something else to find that joy, significance, or that fulfillment. Because God will always be God, I can find peace and rest and hope in Him because God will always be God. Do you remember in Isaiah 46, it says this, I will be God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out in my life, but I have confidence that God will be God throughout my lifetime. He says, I made you, I will care for you, I will carry you along and save you. All of us here can have confidence and can rest assured that there will never be a moment in time where you will ever be able to declare, God, you're not God. God is God, and God will always be God. I have loved this series. I've loved the last nine weeks of being just reminded in very fresh, tangible ways of who God is and what God is like. And I'm very thankful that God has been growing a discontentment in me for that disconnect, that gap. I don't want to live on that ladder. I don't want to live in that place of where I was and where God is calling me to be. I don't want to stay in that place. But the one thing that has been breaking my heart in a good way, what God's been reminding me of in this series is the amount of people who have no idea who God is, who have no idea what God is like, who are believing wrong things, believing lies, things that are just not true about who he is and what he's like and what he has for them. Seeing that video week after week was just such a fresh reminder to me that we live in a world, when I say we live in a world, we meaning you and I live in a world of men and women that we work with and see 40, 50, 60 hours a week, men and women that we study with, men and women that we live with or live around. We live in a world where there are so many people who are in desperate need to see, no, this is who God is. This is what God is like. And so the question I just wanted to finish, not just today, but this entire series with is this, will people see who God is and who you are? Will people catch a glimpse of the reality of who God is and what God is like when they just see you? The last individual that we showed on the video today, I had the privilege to talk to him for about 10 minutes after he was on camera. I said, hey, how did you come to this conclusion? Well, actually, my dad's a pastor, and I grew up in the church my whole life. And if that's the way that the people of God treated him and treated my family, there is no way that God could be real. The amount of hypocrisy and the amount of hurt that he had seen over his lifetime led him to the conclusion that God is not real. He could not exist. And I wonder, is there not someone in that man's life that he works with, that he lives with or lives around that would help paint a picture? Man, this is who God is. And this is what God is like. So will men and women in our lives Will they catch a glimpse 
of who God is in who we are. This, to me, is just the beauty of the gospel message. This is not something that I now just have to somehow figure out how to go live this out. The beauty of the gospel message just simply declares, no, Michael, Jesus met you where you were. He met you as you were, sinful and selfish and prideful, and he met you in that place. And he forgave you of all of that, past, present, future. Michael, he gave you a new life. He gave you a brand new nature. And then Jesus said something amazing. I'm giving you the spirit of God who is going to renew you into the likeness of who God is and what God is like. Colossians 3 says it so well. Put on your new nature, not your old nature, but put on your new nature being and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. There's a lot of people in your world, in my world, who don't know God. And I'm fir- firmly convinced that the reason you're in their world so that they catch a glimpse of what he's like and what you're like. 